TED Audio Collective. Thank you to Target for sponsoring this episode. I just thought I got to put someone in an olive costume and put them in a <laughs> and put them in a martini glass. And I don't know I don't know where that came from, but but he was the guy and the pimento cap. From the TED Audio Collective, this is Design Matters with Debbie Millman. For 18 years, Debbie Millman has been talking with designers and other creative people about what they do, how they got to be who they are, and what they're thinking about and working on. On this episode, photographer Mary Ellen Matthews talks about celebrity portraiture and how she knows when she's nailed a great shot. You just do. You just do. When it just feels right. Hey, it's Adam Grant. The new season of my TED podcast, Work Life, is out now. The past few years have been full of changes to how we work. There's so much more we can rethink about our jobs. Join me as I dive into the science of making work not suck. This season, we'll explore how to fix your meetings, bust bureaucracy, and make the most out of your breaks and vacations. Listen to Work Life with Adam Grant wherever you listen to podcasts. When we think of Saturday Night Live, we think of sketch comedy, monologues, and musical acts. But the show has also had a profound effect on America's visual culture. Think of the opening sequences and its stream of still photos. It made New York City look gritty, glamorous, and irresistible. And the guest portraits, usually shown between commercial breaks, are a spectacular catalog of American celebrity. Many, many of those portraits have been taken by photographer Mary Ellen Matthews. She's been working as the chief photographer for Saturday Night Live for several decades now, and she has also directed videos for the show. I think it's safe to assume that she has seen it all, and she's here to tell us all about it. Mary Ellen Matthews, welcome to Design Matters. I am so excited to be here. I can't tell you. I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I also want to let our listeners know that for the first time ever, Maximus Toretto Blueberry Millman Gay, the family dog, is here along with us. And I'm really excited because, believe it or not, my first question for you Mm -hmm. is about your dog, Daphne. Daphne. I was wondering if you can tell us a little bit more about Daphne and also... Why the name Daphne? It's sort of an old-fashioned name. She uh, came from Alabama. I adopted her. She came with the name Daphne. So I'm imagining that she came from Daphne, Alabama, which is—I didn't know that, but someone, uh, a good friend of mine is from Alabama and told me that there was a Daphne, Alabama. She, he said, she must be from Daphne, Alabama. So—and um, she's a Catahoula and a healer mix. Um, you grew up in Madison, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Your dad was a photographer, and he even had a dark room in the basement of your house. So it sort of seems like your whole life was destined. It was there. It was down in the basement. He was a hobbyist, not a professional. So I grew up with the smell of fixer and and all the chemicals, and I used to stand on this little box and watch him develop all the photos. And um, he would give me and my brother and sister's uh, little contest, like you get one frame only. Give us, give us the camera, and say you get one frame only, and then he would develop them, and then say who the winner was. So, how often did you win? I won once. I took a picture of a flag blowing on a on a big pole. It wasn't. I mean, I'm going to say it was minimalist. It was, um, you know, had a lot of <laughs> had a lot of patriotic um, uh, energy to it. And do you still have that photo? Anywhere? I don't. I'm sure it's somewhere. We have a big box of stuff that someone needs to go through. Now I know you have three <laughs> sisters and a brother. Yes. Where are you in them, that lineup? I'm the youngest of all of them. Oh, and you only and he only let you win once. I just want that's not to my memory, but um, oh. I'll have to double check all that. <laughs> <laughs> now, how much did your dad teach you, and how much did you learn by reading and teaching yourself? He taught me a lot, actually. Um, he would love to show me the camera and, you know, tell me about the f-stops and the and the and the shutter speeds and how it all worked, and you know, put it in my hands. So that was a lot, right? And then, you know, to do what your dad's doing—that's all you really want to do, right—is to get your hands on what he's doing. And um, there's a lot of photo books around, like the classic Time Life mag, uh, no, the books on photography yes. and the war photography and. You know, still life and just things. Family that you, of man. Family of man. 
it. Right, yes, exactly. right. And those sexy photos yes. every now and then you'd see one You're and like, I'd oh be like, gosh, what are you doing? Yes, yes. And pull it out, you know, by yourself sometime and just be like, what is that? But um, yeah, so those made a big impact on me. And just pouring through those books and wishing there were more. So going to the library and looking, taking up more photography books and and just seeing the big, bright world out there of, of what, what can be done with the camera. Did you also learn how to develop your own photos at that point? Yeah. Well, I guess I just more watched him. Maybe he, yeah, no, I, I must have, you know, in the, you know, oh gosh, I'm losing the language of it now. I hate to say it, but, uh, you know, ha- taking the, the the film out of the spool and putting in the chemicals and, and, then, and then, of course, the darkroom process. But we still, I still have the enlarger somewhere. And it's one of my dreams to get that up and running one of these days. In addition to photography, I know you were an avid athlete. Mm. <laughs> so you were a swimmer, a diver, a surfer, mm-hmm. an equestrian, <laughs> and an active gymnast. Not not active anymore, but yes, at uh, during my whole life I was. Yeah. What kind of gymnastics were you doing? I was I was doing it all. I was I was where you could find me down in the gym at the YMCA, and um, so like balance beam and horse and uh, bars vault. Uh, all around. So vault, parallel bars, uh, balance beam, and Florex. Yeah. That's incredible. And I went to college for it. So <laughs> that, after sophomore year, it was like, maybe you should you should rethink this a little bit. But it was, uh, I think it was, you know, I got a scholarship and how to keep going and doing it. And um, but then it was like, oh, there's there's beer and boys and <laughs> frat parties and stuff like, and you shouldn't be on that balance beam anymore. So were you actually considering becoming a professional gymnast? Were you, like, did you have aspirations to go to the Olympics? Well, yeah, I guess professional. There is no such thing, I, I guess, as a professional. But, yeah, did I want to be? Of course, but it just was not in the cards. So I think I took it as far as I could. But I loved it so much. It was just my life for a long time. And all those, um, you know, horses I've been riding, you know, pretty much my whole life. And What so. kind of surfing and what kind of diving? Uh, well, surfing I took up later in life, and I have a little, like, bungalow out in the east end of Long Island, so I learned out in Ditch Plains and Montauk, and shout out to Dalton, who uh, taught me how to surf, and so that's been a great way to be athletic in this stage of life, out there and be in nature. There's nothing else like it. There's nothing better. You mentioned college. You went to East Stroudsburg University. Mm-hmm. And you also, in addition to your gymnastics scholarship, you studied media technology mm-hmm. and film. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of media technology? And and did you also study photography? Yeah. Uh, there was sort of encapsulated. There was a lot encapsulated within that that title. Um, the graphic design, um, photography. We had to make a film. But photography was one of the things, of course, I was most uh, loved the most. Did you move to New York City immediately after college? I did. I got an internship at MTV, and that was 1989, I think. And when MTV was just, you know, yeah, huge. absolutely. So to peak get— Peak MTV time. Peak, peak, peak. And, uh, How did you get an internship at MTV? I couldn't get an internship at MTV. I couldn't get—I couldn't work for free at MTV. I wanted come so on. badly to work there. Did you apply? Well, I had a, I had a lot of friends. It was just—just, just, no, I didn't apply. Because okay. I was always— afraid of, of, of failing and, you know, not... Well, it was but, the yeah. whole thing. I had a really good counselor, I want to say, and I, I'm forgive me, I don't remember his name, but he was so supportive and got me, you know, up close to those people. And I had to go for an interview, a couple of them, and it was a big deal. And I, I mean, to get it was huge. So, you know, I, I commuted from Madison, New Jersey, and that's about an hour commute, whatever. So, but um, it was studio production and I would have to walk all these tapes back and forth to the office, to the production. And and I was in the studio, so I would help, you know, talent wrangle the VJs. Yes. Adam Curry. Yeah, he's the brand that that branded, he named podcasts. He came up with the name podcast. You know, it's funny. In 2003 or 2004. I just was talking to a friend of mine saying how how excited I was to do this. And and she said, God, when did that start? Like, what? And (laughs) you're hitting me that it's Adam Curry. Adam Curry. He came up with the name. Unbelievable. Yeah. This is Kismet. Right yeah, here, right, and um, Allison Stewart, who's a big NPR. Yeah, I absolutely. listened to her and and um, and Martha down- Quinn, Martha Quinn, Downtown Julia Brown, and uh, uh, Kurt Loader. Kurt of was course. a big deal. But um, what was my point? Um, Going working at MTV yeah. as an intern. Yeah. Oh yeah. So being in the studio, so they would have all these bands and musicians come in, and once. George Harrison came in, and I remember, like, you know, and it just goes on and on. 
So you also had a job in music publicity at a uh-huh. record label. I believe it's called TVT. TVT, um, yep. And so was that the job that you had after MTV? Um, after MTV, I also, at the same time, interned for K-Rock, which was a uh, rock and roll radio station um, that had Howard Stern, 92.3, um, mm-hmm. back in those days. And I was an intern there. So I did two at once. I was like, I was in the city. I might as well go there to there and get all this experience. And... Um, well, this is this is a story. Um, Excellent. So when that when those two things were done, I had um, a resume now, you know, which wasn't too bad having those two things on it. And so I just wanted to work at a record label at that time, and I had my I had to print them out, printed them out, and I had them in a folder, and I put on this suit like you went you went to like Strawberry or something and got dress you know, barn the dress barn. <laughs> <laughs> and I got the, the blazer and the long skirt, and I had the thing, and I was walking around to every record label in Midtown, and I saw this big movie set. I've never seen one before in my life. And I kind of walked up to the guy. There was a guy who had these kind of headsets on and, a, and a, like a, a microphone thing, and he was kind of in charge behind these ropes, and I said, how do you get to do—like, what are you doing? I kind of asked him about what he did, and I said, how, how do you do that? He's like, not—you know, you got to know somebody, like, keep moving, Not—did not, not want to have any conversation with me. And then I hear, excuse me, miss, miss, and it was Bill Murray in the middle of the, the Cordendorf area, and he said, can you help me, I, or, or can you take a picture of me and my friends? He had, a can- like, a little camera, and I said, well, sure— took a picture, and I said, can I have your autograph? And I had my resume. And he was like, are you looking for a job? I said, yeah. He goes, do you want to work for me? I was like, sure. And he kind of put that into motion, took me aside, put me in somebody's hands to say, start her tomorrow as a PA. So that was a big whirlwind. And then I was walking to a payphone to call my mom to tell her, as you do. Back then, you'd call on the payphone. And um, I'm telling her, and then Robert Plant, and his band, I, get, I think were the Honey Drippers at that time, were walking by, like, looking super rock and roll. And this was on 42nd Street by the, 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 the Grand, Central. Oh, Grand Central. Grand Central. Yeah. Grand Central, yeah. So they uh, were walking to a souvenir shop. They And I saw them walk in. I was like, got to go. Click. And I walked in, and I asked him for his autograph. And he said, you looking for a job? And I said, yep. And then he's <laughs> like, well, go to Atlantic Records, talk to so-and-so, tell him I sent you. So that didn't pan out, but working on a movie that was called Quick Change did. And um, that's how I became uh, friends with Bill Murray. And it had nothing to do with SNL. Right. I mean, that's the part that I think is so serendipitous yeah. that you ended up—I mean, he had to have come back as a guest host. He did. In the time after, yeah. while you were working at Saturday Night he Live. Did. He did. And what did he— Yeah, right. What did he think of this— Right sort of way in which your lives sort of intersected. I think I might have told him, like, you know, left him a message or something. Like, you know, I had a way to contact his people or something and just said, you you know, just so you know. So it was pretty funny when he saw me there, but I think he knew a little bit. But, yeah. After the movie with Bill Murray, I read that you then moved on to the camera department on other productions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What other movies did you work on back in those days? I worked on a TV show. I think it was called Emergency 911, and it was Mm -hmm. on NBC, and I was in the camera department. They used to call me the camera tomato, (laughs) which, uh, you know, I thought was hilarious, but then probably wouldn't go very far these days. Uh, And I was a film loader, and I worked on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then um, I think that was I think that was it. There might have been another one, but but um, and then I, I fell into TVT somehow. I don't remember the 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 from there to there. Uh, but I think I just went back to going to uh, uh, the record company. What What did you imagine? I mean, those were such sort of heady times. Those late eighties into the early nineties mm-hmm. in New York City and. The whole notion of the way music was evolving. It was so exciting. What did you envision your life was going to be like as an artist? I knew that I wanted to be a photographer, and I thought being at a record label could get me closer to the bands. Of course, everybody wanted to shoot the bands and, and be next, be you know, in, at the show and and do that hang and and just get that creative push from from all these amazing musical artists. So I thought that was a good entree, and that's what happened. Is I got into TVT, and I was working um, 
they had a thing called the Sullivan Years, and and they bought the rights to the Ed Sullivan Show. So me and another guy had to go through all of the audio and and put them in categories, which was sort of fascinating. Wow. But very, like, like stationary. And then I would go out at night and shoot all the bands because you'd get all these invitations to do so. Um, And being an independent label, there were so many bands you would get to see. So that's what I did. And then I had to leave because... I wasn't really doing my job so well. <laughs> well you were more interested in, yeah. in doing what you loved. Were you ever mm-hmm. worried or afraid that you couldn't make a living as a photographer? I mean, those aren't sure. sort of slam dunk careers. Sure. And, you know, it was se- like doing fashion and doing those big shoots seems so, so far away at the top of the mountain, for sure. And, you know, you just wonder, like, how am I going to get there? How am I going to figure this out? And doing what I was doing... Uh, at the at the label and working in music got me very far into that world. But yeah, there was I had a job, thank God, at the time. But yeah, so I left, and the reason I left was because I mean I was became a publicist, and we had Nine Inch Nails, and that was all very exciting, and so that was a whole other, other part of it all. But the reason I left was because I think I was asked to leave. Number one, and um, I went again. I went to. Walked across the street. There was a payphone, and I went to check my answer machine. Right, that's what we had. The right. Do you oh, remember yeah. doing that? Absolutely. Like, going beep, beep, beep. Absolutely. Beep. My and dad was appalled that I had an answering machine. I got an answering machine in my first apartment in 1983, uh-huh. and he couldn't believe that he had raised a, a, a child that was so narcissistic that she needed to know who called her when she wasn't home. Uh, he was like, "Can't they just call you back?" Right, right, <laughs> like, right, right. Dad, just get with the times. The right. He has. He's not wrong though, in a way. <laughs> Right. But, right, yeah, so then that happened. Then you'd be like, okay, I got to check my answering machine. got to check my answering machine. So I checked my answering machine, and a friend of my, this other publicist, Jennifer Gross, who's amazing, uh, left me a message saying, I know you're into photography. I'm leaving this job with Edie Baskin at Saturday Night Live. Do you want to interview with her? That was the same day. I walked across the street. I was like, bye. Uh, and then I changed. I did. So that was serendipitous also. So I interviewed for the job, and then I ended up working for Edie Baskin. What was that like? Amazing. She was so wonderful to me uh, as a mentor, as to get to know what the show was and what this job was, to to be the photographer there. Obviously, like, you know, she set the tone with all her, her, her photographs and images. You joined Saturday Night Live as Edie Baskin's assistant in mm-hmm. 1993. Mm-hmm. Now, Edie was the photographer who created the bumper images mm-hmm. that are seen before and after the show's commercial breaks that feature the episode's host yep. and also introduce the musical guests. Yes. Now, why is it called a bumper? Because it bumps into commercial um, uh. or it bumps into the show. There's a reason for it. and uh, Each local market because it's live television, has to have a place where it all meets to go back to the show. Interesting. And some linger longer. Like in Kansas City, it may hang there for a minute. But, you know, sometimes in New York it goes, boop, and it's out. So it just depends how it goes. Now, Edie initiated using her photography as a graphic element Mm -hmm. in the show. She used unusual techniques to bring the photos to life. Mm -hmm. That included hand-coloring the photographs. Um, Talk about what it was like to work with Edie at that time, at this moment when Saturday Night Live was also really in its heyday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the 90s. second, you know, sort of Saturday Night Live 2.0 after the original. Yep. And then the time it went through in the 80s when Lauren left for a little bit and then it came back. And things started to change as far as the techniques that were becoming available. So she was very experimental with that, um, a Polaroid transfers and all kinds of things. So to be in the, in the studio at that time when the, the cast was such a – I mean, they're all hating, but it was the Adam Sandler yeah. and Phil Hartman. And just to know that time was amazing when I first started and uh, see her work with the, with the host and the cast and Lauren. And, you know, there's no better way to – get to know the show and what it means to everyone. What does an assistant do to a chief photographer? What did you do with Edie? Well, we help set up the lighting, you know, just support getting things. Well, then it was film. So getting the film down to the uh, to the film lab. Oh, my God. I'm like, what was it called? Was the it lab. Dugal? I know that that was one of the major ones. That was part of it. That was part of the post-production. But we used U.S. Color, which is no longer there. And you, that was on um, Bleecker Street. 
And so go and pick up the clips, which clips were you would just take a tail of the film and make sure it was developed right. And then you'd say, okay, push it a stop, take it down a stop, whatever. So just getting her that stuff and and then um, help her edit the session and um, get the stuff to the post-production and, you know, creatively just help her and um, watch what she was doing and and, um, help during the shoot and change lenses and and put up the lighting, take it down and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Wardrobe, hair, all that. What was the biggest thing you learned from Edie Baskin? Oh, just a sense of cool. That was the stamp of on Saturday Night Live was like you get a stamp that says SNL that meant think you're, you know, this is how this is how New York life is. This is how we do it here. You became lead photographer at Saturday Night Live in 1999 when Edie retired, and you said this about the transition. All I wanted to do is make her proud, but also keep the sense of cool in what this show is trying to convey and just keep up that level of work. Do you feel like you've done that? I hope so. I hope so. Has I mean, she, did she ever tell you that you had? Yeah, for sure. And Lauren has said so. And the fact that I'm still there says, yeah. <laughs> no one is looking for a pat on the back or anything of that sort there. Like, because it moves so fast and we have to just keep on our own feet, just keep the show moving forward. And week after week, you get to start over again. The tabla rasa, like you get to start again. And do better and, and go like, oh, hey, I, I know what didn't work last time and now we get to do it again, which is amazing. It's not the train that just keeps moving. It stops and you get to get, get off, shake yourself off and come back on again. Speaking of Lauren Michaels, Edie first met the creator and executive producer of Saturday Night Live, of Saturday Night Live Lauren it's Michaels. hard to say, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. He, uh, she met him at a poker game at the Chateau Marmont while visiting I friends. Mean, is, how, how cool is I, that? They really, it doesn't get cooler. No. It just doesn't. Well, maybe maybe meeting Robert Plant on on the sidewalk. <laughs> that, that might that in might a souvenir be. store. Yeah, exactly. Like, Sorry, Robert. I, I called you out that you're they were shopping in there. <laughs> Chachkis. Who yep. doesn't love them? Right. Um, so that led to her getting the job as the show photographer. How did you first meet Lauren, and what was that experience like? Edie must have um, introduced me. You know, she was super supportive and, you know, putting her trust in me hopefully gave him that trust. And does he have any involvement in the shoots that you do? Does he watch, participate, Not so much. Not so much, and I think that's that's a, a testament to his trust in all of us. Uh, obviously, he's very involved in the sketches and, and um, how those go down as far as the writing and how it looks and the costume design. But I'll take that back a little bit. I, you know, Tom Broker is our insanely talented costume designer. I, I, you know, I'm sure he's trusted as much as I'm trusted or the set design is. Lauren looks at everything, and if there's something he'd like to change or improve on, he'll let you know. Since 1999, you've taken photographs of every single host and musical guest. A short, short, short list of these include Taylor Swift, Beyonce, Adele, Lady Gaga, Dave Chappelle, Kim Kardashian, Billie Eilish, Jennifer Lopez, Paul McCartney, Rihanna, Jay-Z, Scarlett Johansson, Adam Driver, and pretty much every major comedian, actor, and musician alive. Let's not forget about people like Senator John McCain, Senator Al Gore at the time. A couple of presidents. Well, they weren't hosts, but they were on the set. So there was a lot of behind-the-scenes photography that goes on, too, which I incorporate now. I incorporate my, my staff, who are amazing. So, I, you know, they're, they're down there doing that these days. Um, Will Heath and, and, and Roz O'Connor, Rosalind O'Connor and Alex Schaefer. A little shout-out there. Now, is it true that you only get like between 20 and 90 minutes with the guests each week. Yeah. And you have to create four to five concepts with wardrobe, hair, and makeup, along with props and sets. Yeah. I mean, I love to do the concepting and come up with these kind of harebrained ideas or redo a photo and a very famous image that we kind of put our own spin on. So I do have the support of, again, Tom Broker and my staff that helps me put that together and all the prop department and, you know, it's like, but those things, those ideas come when they come. Like I try to do as much prep as I possibly can. But then if I'm on a cab, I'm in a cab on the way up and 
I was talking to a friend of mine and, and I was like, God, Sarah, Sarah Silverman, like she's so funny. What else is there? And I was at that time, I was trying to go outside of the building or just, you know, use not just the studio, but go outside, just kind of pushing it a little bit. And the idea of putting her on a, a ladder and dressing her in a maid's costume to have her dust off the NBC <laughs> studio sign came to me. So, you know, Tom, can you help me? And and can we get the, the building services? Can we put her up on a ladder? And so, you know, those things happen to to us late in the day sometimes. Now, do you do different setups? So that was clearly a sort of home run with Sarah Silverman. Yeah. Do you do other setups and then say, you know what, we like the one on the ladder best? Or do you do sort of all in the same realm? I, try, I love to mix it up as much as possible. But, you know, sometimes you don't have enough time. So in that day, by the way, I almost got fired for that one. because Why? Because I didn't really clear it with the building. And we did just take <laughs> a ladder outside and stick her up there. And that was not, the, you know, it, that building is owned by certain people who didn't. And it was kind of dangerous. <laughs> Let's not. But it was okay. You know, I just couldn't do that again. But we did that. And then, you know, we were walking to the building. And I thought it'd be funny if she was flashing us. And Tom had a, a, a gorgeous overcoat. And, you know, she's flashing. So it's very much in the moment. As much as you can plan for it, sometimes it just has to be the moment. And now a word from our sponsor, Target. Did you know Target offers a rewards program to get perks, deals, and a whole lot more every time you shop? Target Circle, one of the top loyalty programs with over 100 million members, helps Target deliver even more value to each of their guests. As a Target Circle member, guests not only save with offers and receive personalized deals, they can also vote to help Target impact the communities we're all a part of. Guests earn a vote for each qualifying Target trip and can use those votes to help direct where Target gives to nonprofits in their community. As each voting period wraps, Target allocates donations to these nonprofits based on the votes they receive. If you're not a Target Circle member, you can sign up by creating an account for free. It's quick and easy. Just download the Target app or visit them online at Target.com. From what I understand, you go back and forth between photographing the host while the musical guest is practicing yeah. and then vice versa. So yeah. it feels very much like Mrs. Doubtfire, like you're going back and forth into like major dinner parties. Well, they're rehearsing and we're shooting. So, you know, so, like when Paul Rudd was on with Paul McCartney, we're, we're, you know, we're trying to shoot, but Paul McCartney's rehearsing. So there's that amazing, amazing moments. There's so many amazing moments. Now, I read that Paul McCartney is one person that you were really nervous about mm -hmm. photographing. Yeah, but he is so lovely, like, just the Can most— Can talk to you about Linda McCartney, his wife? Yeah, you know, I think he sensed that I was very nervous, and he said, you know, my wife's my wife is a photographer, don't you? And I was like, yes. And so he sat down on the stool and just was talking to me about her. But, you know, he just wanted to talk about her, too. How do you develop rapport and chemistry and trust with such big stars? Well, I think it's our job to do that because there, a lot of people, if they haven't done it before, imagine their nerves coming on this institution and making their mark. So it is a gift to do that. You know, if it was a sterile environment and not having that job also to kind of take the sting out of all of it. It would, be, it would be something else. But, like, I just I just want to make somebody happy and comfortable and make it quick and easy and fun and be part of our family. Do guests that you or do the artists that you shoot, are they competitive about the shoots? Like, I want yeah. something funnier <laughs> than Paul Rudd or I want something more glamorous than Adele. Like, oh, that's do they funny. start to get, like, competitive about what not they so how much. they're portrayed. Not so much, but you know, sometimes someone will say like that was really funny cuz they're all up on the on in the hallway. They're not all, but they every host signs a photo and we put it up so they are all are all represented. So sometimes they'll point to something and um you know, you kind of go like, oh, "Okay, you want to go there." 
Do you ever get guests that are curmudgeonly or don't want to be photographed or like, snap, snap, let's get this over with? Not really. I think everybody's so happy to be there. Like, I, as much as I'm so happy to be there, everybody's happy to be there. So that's a, uh, a gift for sure. You've said that you don't want your SNL subjects overthinking this mm-hmm. part of the show. Mm-hmm. And it should be super fun and super easy. And it's an open invitation to get kooky. Yeah. That requires a lot of comfort and trust. Mm -hmm. If you're doing something for 20 minutes or 40 minutes or 60 minutes, how do you encourage them to do that that quickly? Or is that just something that's sort of part of their job description? I don't think so. I I think that it's a—I'm giving them the invitation to get a little, like—I'm not going to say freaky, but like a little kooky. Okay, I will use that word. But, um, you know, here's a bunch of props and here's what we've done before. If you're comfortable, we can— I can throw you this rubber chicken or whatever. And, you know, so I I use that because I'm just, I'm kidding. But um, that's a cheap comedy joke, of course, the rubber chicken. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, didn't Steve Martin do that? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we, uh, we can just do beautiful portraits, too. It's whatever anybody's comfort zone is. How often do the artists come to you and say... I want to look like Gilda Radner. Totally. I want to look like it's Paul happened. McCartney. It's yeah. happened, for sure. You know, because these these have a reputation of, you know, we have the best costume and hair and, and you know, uh, makeup department and props. And so we can do anything, on, you know, pretty much on the, on the turn of a dime. Well, they, they're, I'm sure some people wouldn't think so, but we, we, try, we really do our best to do that. Talk about the props and the costumes. How do you know what to collect? How do you know what to get? Well, I, my my first uh, foot out the door is just to keep it kind of highbrow, right? I don't want to get goofy. So there is just a zone that I stay in, and uh, I try to anyway. And, um, you know, just keep collecting ideas and keep my, my brain fresh and look around for inspiration and, and you know, and, you know, read up and research who's coming on and see what else they've done before and maybe what would apply to them, or where they, where they would like to go. You said you think of your photographs as billboards. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Well, because it's um, a moment in the show. Well, first of all, because they're horizontal. Mm-hmm. They're, everything is horizontal, which is a very challenging thing to put a vertical person in a horizontal space. Sometimes. I really thought of that. That's right. Um, yeah. And then, you know, so we have this space, 16 by 9, and then you have the logo, which is such a fun thing to incorporate in this space. And, you know, the negative space is great to use and plopping that on. So kind of in my mind, that's what I'm thinking about. Where's the logo going to go? If we go tight, you know, twisting it this way, that way. So I'm always thinking about that billboard, that, you know, that moment. And I guess I say billboard because it's horizontal, but it also is a placard for the show. Do you ever find that format something that is in some way holding you back? Or do you find a freedom in that? Sometimes, yeah. I I do think, like, how can I do this differently? Um, Yes. So that's TBD. How do you approach the narrative arc of the eight photographs that are used during the show? Mm -hmm. So you have usually two photographs of the musical guest, if they do two performances, Mm -hmm. and that's sort of the way you know they're about to go on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you have the other six of the Mm -hmm. host. Do you plan a story or a vibe or an attitude? There, it it almost feels like it's storyboarded. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes it's seven. It's either it's, it's either uh, six or seven, depending on. Oh, it's not eight. Eight or nine. Sorry. Yeah, just depending on how the the commercials fall. Sometimes they can add another one. The Good Nights, which is number nine, is always you know to me it's like the whole show is wrapped up and maybe it's a little nostalgic. Maybe it has a little bit of mood to it. Or it's joyous. So I can kind of change things by the time it gets to air, seeing how dress goes. And maybe it does want to be joyous. Maybe it does want to be a little bit more serious and contemplative. But depending on the person and how the show goes. But yes, I do try to go from one to nine in in a way that makes sense. You're able to do something really remarkable in this very short amount of time. You have about three seconds that people are looking at that particular photo maybe a little bit longer, as you mentioned, in Kansas. <laughs> how how were you able to create something so memorable on screen that goes by so quickly? Well, it's my job, I guess. Um, but I'm working with somebody who is present there, so it's 50-50. 
um, or maybe it's even 70-30. I'm, I'm not sure. You know, they're giving me a lot, so I have to I have to give it to to whoever's on the other side of the camera a lot of the time. Um, I love doing the post-production, adding the color, the zang, the zip, the zoop, whatever it is. It's uh, I find so much joy in that part of the the art of it. Do you shoot in both black and white and color? Mm-mm. No, just color. Yeah. And you shoot everything at Studio 8H and mm-hmm. NBC headquarters at 30 mm-hmm. Rock. Mm-hmm. Do you have your own studio or shoot on the SNL stages or how on, does... on the stage, uh, studio, uh, sorry, stage 3A, I think it is, um, which is our primo stage, which we like. I do a lot of video, too, for social media and the open of the show. So we have two sets. We have the still set and the video set. And sometimes we can't go there. Depending on how the show is going to be rehearsed, if they have a set that's going to come in that day there, we have to move. So I'm always, on my, my way up, I'm like, Will, where are we? He's like, say 3A or we're, or a 6A, which is behind the music set, which is tighter. And But, um, you know, so it is what it is. I, I have no control over that. Now, you show... You shoot both digitally and mm-hmm. also analog, and as you mentioned, you now also shoot video. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't shoot analog too much. No, no. Um, oh no, not at all anymore. Not really. We don't have. We're so used to now. Well, first of all, we change from shooting on Tuesday to Thursday. We don't really have the time. Wow. Um, so thir- you're shooting on Thursday, Thursday for a afternoon. show that airs 48 hours later. Yeah, 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 yeah. But oh my goodness, like you know, they're doing film pieces. Uh, you know, Friday night, they edit, turn around. So it just, everything gets more and more compressed and doable as our skill set gets better. You talked about back in the analog days, loving the feeling and the magic of not knowing what you've got until it's mm. processed. Mm-hmm. How has shooting digitally changed the way you shoot? Well, it's how we all shoot now. You know, the, if outside of SNL, I do a lot of advertising for um, entertainment you know, movie posters, things like the key art. And we want to see what we're getting as we go. The client wants to see um, because we can make some changes. I don't really look at a monitor when I'm doing our shoots at SNL because it's so in the moment and we just keep going and going and going. So for me, I don't really use the monitor or the digital technology to my, too much to my, my advantage. After When they leave the set and they get changed, then I look at it and then we kind of go like, you know, maybe we've moved that light down or whatever. But I'm much more in the moment kind of person. I saw that you did your most recent SNL cast shot mm-hmm. with a massive 8x10 camera. Um, well, maybe, maybe not the last cast, but the one yeah, before. Yeah, 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 yeah. With yeah. Kate McKinnon. I know Kate I saw McKinnon. her in that shot. Right, right. What was that like? That's fun to do. Um, it's always fun to uh, use a, a large format camera. And I think we've done our staff photos on that too. But it's just, you know, you're taking the technique and putting it back to, you know, more of an analog, what you're saying. And we're using film, uh, the slides, and, and, you know, it's much more technical and much more considered, which is really fun to do. And it's really great to go back to that when, when we have the opportunity. You shoot the photos for the different intros every mm-hmm. year that Emily Oberman at mm-hmm. Pentagram designs. And she's been doing that almost as long as you've been the lead, the chief photographer, how, what is that collaboration like? How do well, you work together at, with a designer or other artists? She and I come, we concept together. So la- so just for example, last year, since we were coming out of COVID, we um, wanted to, you know, it was a kind of a big, big deal for everybody. And the year before that, when we were in COVID, we had to stay in the building. We couldn't go like Moreland, like 20 feet outside of the building, you know, all those rules. And so that was a that was a big challenge. So now everything's opening up. What are we going to do? And, you know, we were brainstorming together and the idea of doing it at the Chelsea Hotel came up. And so, you know, we talk about, you know, the each vignette for each cast member. And we had uh, Mike Diva, who works at SNL at the film unit, uh, he was with us too in this this journey, and he directed it. And I was, you know, we were the creative directors. So I think we were such a great team, and we I think we nailed it. 
Oh, there! I it's, it's my so favorite much thing joy, in the premieres right? is to see the new opens. Yeah, I know. I love looking at them. I know. I love doing it too. I mean, it's it's a lot. Like when we we're, we're in it. Like when we do it. Like I always say, like Emily, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> She's like, Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. Next year at this time. I love it. I can't wait to do it again. How do you feel about the logo evolution? Mm. There's so much love for the logo. And I love placing it. Are we using SNL? Are we going this way, that way? You know, the color. It's it's just such a—it's great to see it evolve, for sure. And now, we, you know, with the 50th anniversary coming up, so there's a lot of discussions with that. So— 50 um, years. Mm-hmm. I, I, I remember when it launched. I remember ah. in the 70s when it came on the air. I, I was so excited to stay up late on Saturday I nights. Know. I know. I uh, remember I loved— um, my, well, my brothers and sisters love Jackson Brown. So, of course, I did when as a kid. And I remember 1975 trying to stay up and watch Jackson Brown. And I remember falling asleep. Couldn't stay up. Yeah. Yeah. You also shoot photographs for weddings mm-hmm. and rock and roll tours. Mm-hmm. I know you toured with Aerosmith. Mm-hmm. You've shot the weddings of Scarlett Johansson. No, no, no. Um, no? No. I, I, uh, Alec Baldwin. Tina. Tina, Tina Fey. Um, Amy Poehler. Yep. Liv Kate Tyler. H- Kate Hudson. Yes. What is it like shooting a wedding? The one time I shot a wedding for a friend, they got mad at me because I cut off everybody's feet. It is so much, so (laughs) much pressure because it's one moment, right? right? You know, and the bigger the wedding, the more pressure it is. And, you know, um, but uh, they were all wonderful and it was all they were all great experiences. But it is it's a it's a heart stopper for sure. I just think that, you know, with all the sort of bridezillas out there, yeah. it must be a very stressful experience. Yeah, yeah. I, that's why I don't really do them anymore. <laughs> and what about um, tours? What was it like to tour with Aerosmith? Oh, it was amazing. Um, you know, it's like being, when, being on a movie. So I did a lot of production stills, too, which was another phase of my film career. When you go on these things, when you're working on a movie— you're just part of this cocoon and you're there for three months and you know everybody and like the whole world is just falls away. And it's just amazing. And same thing with a tour. Like you're just part of, you know, that that like ins- you're insular and you see the, the, the trucks coming down and you see the guys opening the thing. And you're setting up the lighting. You know, it's just it's a miracle every every day. I want to talk with you about some of your favorite shoots and some of my favorite mm-hmm. of your photographs. And you said that of all the performers you've worked with, your favorite is Will Ferrell mm-hmm. and that all your dreams come true when he walks <laughs> in the door. Why oh Why God. is that? Why well, is that? Prob- I mean, yes, that's true. But there's there's probably a few added to that now. But because he's, I mean— you can just mold him and like, you know, it's so he's so rich for ideas. Right. And John Mulaney has become one of those people, too. And Scarlett's one of those, too. You know, they're just they're just willing and, and you know, obviously they know the show, too. So there's that. How do you get someone like Will Ferrell to stick their head in a garden of flowers? <laughs> um, like, hey, Will, here's an idea. Because, <laughs> you know, he's he's that kind of guy. And, you know, did you ever see the one of him as Bo Derek? Yes. Yeah. So yes. The, the sticking the head in the flowers wasn't as much as putting on a, a, a little swimsuit. Actually, the imitation photos mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are some of my favorite. Mm. How did Whose idea was it for Aubrey Plaza to become Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct? Well, it was my idea. I'm going to say that. But weirdly, that day, she was there because she was special guest with Sam Smith. She was a part of his musical performance. And I was like, because I pitched it to to Aubrey, and she was like, you know, she's here. I was like, I what? So, <laughs> So it kind of was amazing. That she was there, yeah. How do you know when you've nailed it? Oh, that's a good question. You just do. You just do. When it just feels right. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that because it's— it, uh, Just some instinct? Yeah, because there's an opportunity to find that the gold in the moment that I have with her. Ugh. Is yeah. that it? Yeah, yeah. no, I, 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 I love knowing how people know that something is finished or done or good. Right, or... right. She had the attitude, and it just felt like she could embody that famous image, and she totally did. So I want to ask you about a couple of others. Um, Reese Witherspoon cross-eyed with a bee on her nose. Oh, yeah, cute. Yeah. How did, how did that happen? Um, I just thought of 
she's because she just seems like such a cutie pie. But um, you know, something I was thinking maybe it was a maybe it was a profile was on her nose, and then she kind of found that I think. And also, there was this famous Shirley MacLaine image. I think yes. So maybe that was part of it. But I think I feel like she found that herself. Harry Styles in a tutu. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, um, that was on his wardrobe rack, and he <laughs> and he was like, "Who has a cigarette and a and a and a glass of champagne?" And that, um, and away he went. Don Cheadle as a flower. Oh, I know. I thought of that for him. I don't. I just. I just saw him as, as just a badass flower. And so, how do you, how do you approach him with an idea like that? Like Don. Yeah. I'm seeing yeah. your face in the center of a daisy. But I think like. Don't, wouldn't you want somebody? I mean, you yeah, know, you're a performer, course, right? Absolutely. So it is a little scary. Like he might just say, "You gotta go," but you know, <laughs> I drew it. Actually, I have a. I still have it on my bulletin board. I, cut, I had a little. I, I cut out his face and I drew this flower and I and I put this like a stick flower. And he was like, "I got it," you know. And thankfully, you know, again, Tom Broker had a flower back there in the somewhere in the archives, and we made it happen. Adam Driver eating a skunk. Yeah. <laughs> That was all. I just had it on on hand. So, you know, it's nice to have these big table full of props and, you know, somebody finds some kind of moment with it. So Larry David breakdancing. Oh, yeah, that's right. And his in his in the track suit. Yeah. 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 I think we had to Photoshop that a little bit. I was going to say, was that? Yeah. That could not possibly have been Larry David. But But, yeah, just you put you put somebody in a scenario that they usually aren't in. And if they're game for it, great. Now, was that Alec Baldwin as Marlon Brando in The Godfather? Yes, with that, the stuff. That's incredible. It was cat. incredible. That yeah. is an incredible photograph. He it's is. incredible. Well, it's all him. I mean, you know, he went for it. I read that one of your favorite photos features Andy Samberg in a martini mm-hmm. glass, mm-hmm. which is a great photo, mm-hmm. um, which I read was an idea you'd been kicking around in your head mm-hmm. and you couldn't find the man for the job. Mm-hmm. Were people saying like, mm, good idea, not for me? No, no, I just was holding it back. I just thought I got to put someone in an olive costume and put them in a <laughs> and put them in a martini glass. And I don't know. I don't know where that came from. But but he was the guy and the pimento. Yeah. Cap. Yeah. And then Edward Norton in the painting Nighthawks, mm-hmm. which is a very famous painting by Edward Hopper. I heard that when you shared the idea with him, he jumped out yes. of his skin with just wanting to do it. So were you also saving that for the right person? I don't—yeah, probably, probably. But um, that was like, we, we got to do this. And that was a lot to do for characters— so if we have time for four or five looks to do four characters, and if you divide it up, that eats up a lot of time. So, you know, and he was all the characters. He was all the characters and the wigs and everything. And you know, so we had a, we made a little hut by the set instead of going back to his dressing room. And we just got to put him in all the things. And um, you know, he, as as an incredible actor as he is and an artist, he knew how to get there fast. Last one, Rihanna playing poker, smoking yeah. a cigar. She was like, hell yeah. And were those her nails or did you put them on? Oh, they were hers. Incredible. Yeah. Just incredible. She's she's amazing. Yeah. How has Instagram changed or impacted the kind of work you do? You said that you were doing video for social media. Yeah. um, Just because content is needed, right? You know, for any any artistic venture, uh, you know, venture, um, we need content and for show to keep to keep relevant and um, keep fresh. We want to keep doing that. So I thought of doing these little vignettes of these guys, the both the, ha- the, 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 um, and gals, the, the musical guests and the host and making that part of our, you know, what we do for the show. And I love doing them. You know, it's sometimes it's very in the moment also. Uh, but it's just, you know, we let somebody fly. Like, here's here's this here's this area. We, we need, like, you know, a minute of slow motion video. You know, here's the concept. Sometimes it's thought out and sometimes it's in the moment. You have been the chief photographer on Saturday Night Live for 28 years. Mm-hmm. It'll be 30 years the same year as the... 50th anniversary mm-hmm. of the show. Well, let me let me start. I think it's 25. Like, I have to do the math because the 28 years I've been there, I think, was with when I worked for Edie. So, um, That's, well, still yeah, counts. just about. Yeah. Still counts. Okay. 
what do you envision for this mm. next sort of big milestone? 30 for you, 50 for the show. Yeah. Well, we're all kind of sitting back and thinking about that, um, you know, what it means to all of us. But there's going to be, it's going to be a big week, uh, big, just a big year, I should say, for the show and for everybody who's been there. And, we're, and you know, we're, we're all looking at each other going, it's 50, it's 50. Yeah. Do you think about doing other things? Yeah, for sure. What do you think about doing? Uh, I kind I want to go into more fine art photography, which I'm sort of setting myself up for now, and and um, just thinking about not being in 8H, which is really, it's a big, it's a big thought. Well, I don't know anybody that could do the kind of work that you do. You have really helped to create the visual language of our time, and I. I, I saw that in 2010 you had an exhibition of your mm. photography at the John Varvato store in the old CBGB building on the Bowery. Have you thought about compiling a monograph of your yes. work? It seems so overdue, Mary that's, Ellen. That's in the works, too. It's definitely in the works. Um, uh, we are in talks about that and um, you know, a lot of other stuff because it is a big year, the 50th, and we're all looking back at our work and what, how are we going to celebrate what we all have done. You know, I want to celebrate the production design and I want to celebrate the writers and we all want to celebrate each other. So that's part of it. What's so remarkable about your work, and and I think this will be my last question, what's so remarkable about your work is that you take different photographs of different people in different settings with different costumes and a different sort of attitude every week. You've Mm -hmm. done that now for the last couple of decades but they're unmistakably yours. They're, you can tell when it's a Mary Ellen Matthews photograph. What, why? I want to ask yeah. you that. How does that happen? I hope, I hope there's a, you know, I always want to, uh, if it's not a serious, quiet moment, I just want to project joy and bring that spark out and the, the sort of sparkle of the moment. Right. And sparkle's not a good word. It's, it kind of cheapens the, the, the what I'm trying to say. But the there there's a moment. Right. And we're together. And, you know, I have I'm honored to have this time with whoever it is. And I want to make them look the best and bring out the, the, the joy that we are so lucky to be there in that moment at the at that time. We get to share it. Yeah, it's almost like you are able to capture the spirit of somebody on their very best day. Yeah. Aww. Aww. All right, I'm stealing that. Okay, good. <laughs> Mary Ellen Matthews, thank you so much for making so much work that matters. Aww, thank and you thank for... you for joining me today on Design Matters. Thank you for having me. I was very nervous, but I'm, 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 I could talk to you for another two hours. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. For more information about Mary Ellen Matthews, you can go to copiousmanagement.com and see lots of her photos. And you can follow her on Instagram at Mary Ellen Matthews. This is the 18th year we've been podcasting Design Matters, and I'd like to thank you for listening. And remember, we can talk about making a difference, we can make a difference, or we can do both. I'm Debbie Millman, and I look forward to talking with you again soon. Design Matters is produced for the TED Audio Collective by Curtis Fox Productions. The interviews are usually recorded at the Masters in Branding program at the School of Visual Arts in New York City, the first and longest-running branding program in the world. The editor-in-chief of Design Matters Media is Emily Wyman. What? Yeah. Stop for a second. I think we got to let the dog out. She's <laughs> Yeah. Can you say, Amelia, can you get Max? Because he farted. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it's a really small room. <laughs> and it's warm. <laughs> but we're all thinking it wasn't me. It wasn't me. No, I know those farts. I knew it wasn't you because I know his farts. I just was hoping you wouldn't think it was me. Bye, Megs. <laughs>